Cheers, y'all. Well, 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 well. Oh, that sounds like a party about to happen. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program, podcast, and video extravaganza known internationally Hi, Mom. as the world-famous Smoking and Toasting. Welcome, my friends, to show number 279. We are all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. My name Those is Cruz. My uh, erstwhile uh, uh, host, co-host and friend is Mr. Ian Barry. Welcome, sir. Man, it's good to see you again. Good to see you. This uh, this little Thursday thing we got going is kind of fun, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, should keep, we should maybe keep this up. <laughs> After 279 uh, different uh, different times it's uh, it's it's going all right uh want to say uh hi to uh doug who is our incoming engineer who is uh, on the wheels of steel today while adam watches uh plaintively over his shoulder uh adam of course as we've mentioned is going to be leaving us before too long and so doug will be uh, will be trying to fill his shoes uh behind the board so it's nice to have all of you here as we take a look at show number 279 today we will talk about a very interesting question or i find it interesting anyway Way. Is there a reckoning coming for craft beer? A reckoning. A reckoning. That's that's a powerful that's a big word. word yes. Yeah, it is. And what exactly is a a reckoning? A it's, reckoning. Like a, no, it's like a it's like a not. correction. A, 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 a day of, of paying your dues, perhaps. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so, very interesting article. We will delve into a little bit and see what the experts and the prognosticators are uh, are predicting. So, in in the most basic terms, obviously. Craft beer had a bit of a reckoning during um, the lockdown days of the pandemic, yep. when uh, when on premise sales basically disappeared, and you know people tried to rally and do things to support mm-hmm. their favorite breweries and go pick stuff up on drive by uh, drive by beer runs yes, at yes. the breweries, and and uh, it was it was helpful, but obviously very difficult to replace that revenue. We lost a lot from of the bars, uh, a yeah. lot of breweries, and a lot of bars. We over did that time. a lot of breweries, a lot of time. bars, and some restaurants, and. And so now that people are going back out again and uh, things have have gotten somewhat back to normal in terms of the flow of people and going out and doing things, um, certainly there has been a bit of a comeback. But uh, but it, it is not back to pre-pandemic levels just yet. And so I think that's where this... Uh, this article is coming from about the reckoning for craft beer. Also, of course, what happened during that time is the hard seltzer uh, surge explosion, and, and there and that has taken some some drinkers away from craft beer. And quite frankly, spirits have grown at such a huge rate that there's a lot of uh, speculation that some people that were maybe more into craft beer a few years ago, have kind of switched up and are into spirits. Well, a lot of people, I think, found themselves with a little extra time to uh, <laughs> to, to mix their own drinks and <laughs> yeah. drink. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. And try different things. I know a lot of people uh, took... So, you know, hey, I'm at home, so I might as well sit down and figure out, you know, what is it about this whiskey I like? And I think we have a lot more whiskey aficionados and, and spirit aficionados nowadays than we had before. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, learn any new mixed drinks, how to make them during the pandemic? Because we had time. Uh, so a lot of times uh, uh, I will uh, start off with a whiskey mm-hmm. and I'll pour it into a glass. Right. And occasionally I put a piece of ice in it. And that would be a cocktail. Yes, that's a cocktail. <laughs> But you were doing that before the <laughs> pandemic. I was just wondering if you'd I'm a creature if you, of habit. If you, you know, gotten into I, anything I'm, I'm new. I'm super spoiled. Okay, so my wife, and this is pre-pandemic, pandemic, post-pandemic, um, post post 
pre post post pandemic. Yeah, before, during, and after. Pseudo pandemic, whatever you want. Neo pandemic. Yeah. Well, I don't know, whatever it is. <laughs> Wherever the hell we are now. <laughs> I don't know what we're I doing don't, anymore. I don't know. Is it an endemic but, yet? But <laughs> <laughs> and then but, I think it, it eventually just becomes a demic. A demic, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what any of that uh, means. So no, I got spoiled because uh, my wife. She just gets sometimes a wild hair and goes, you know what? I'm going to go buy this and this and this and make this drink. And I get to try new drinks all the time anyway. Because she just, she's in there making them. You know, and then sometimes if we have someone on the show that uh, that uh, leaves a sample with us, I'll bring that home. And she goes, oh, now we're going to have this tonight. you know, uh, yeah. we'll, And we'll mix something up. So I never know. You well, know? my wife does the cooking at my house, but I am in charge of cocktails and, and uh, libations. So if there's anything new to be tried, it would be... And I, I did experiment and uh, made a fairly decent mojito for the first time during the nice. uh, during the pandemic. But the thing about mojitos, as much as I love them, it's like, I, that's that's Too not something steps. you're going to drink a whole bunch of. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because of the Little sweetness rich, of it. Yeah. Like, it, it's awesome for the first one, but then you almost want to go, yeah, I'm just going to go straight yeah. rum now. So, anyway, that's, uh, that's and I really want to learn, and I'm frustrated because I've lost, I think he sent me the ingredients and the, and the directions, but I've lost the, uh, the information that Sean Anger from Fox and Seeker sent. About that incredible gin cocktail. Oh man, I bet we can reach year. out to him and, yeah, and he'd I probably may, resend I may have that. To do is that. it is it on the website by any chance? I don't think so, but I, I should go look again and yeah, see. We check and that see, out because that was good. I don't even remember the name of it now, but maybe I'd rec- recognize it if I saw the ingredients. Yeah, we've been beating up the uh, Fox and Seeker uh, gin and the uh, Age gin as well. Yeah, at the that house. gin it's, is awfully it's good. Really good. <laughs> I, honestly, I'm going to tell you, it's my favorite gin I think that I've ever had. Yeah, that uh, so I have depending on what kind of gin I want, I have a few favorites uh, that are that are definitely go to. If I want something classic, I really I really appreciate the Hendrix. Yeah, that's um, good. that's that's when I really want a classic gin. Mm-hmm. But I like the uh, the Fox and Seeker has become my favorite. The Citadel um, uh, is is also quite good. Uh, and then I love the aged gins. I love doing a martini. And the thing about the aged gins is you don't add, you don't dirty them up like you do a regular martini. Mm-hmm. You don't add a lot to them because they already have so much going you on. You kind of just pour them nice and cold. Yeah. So so uh, that that type of martini just becomes, you know, what we know as a, a big ass shot. Speaking of things that we, yeah, right, a big ass <laughs> cold shot. Speaking of things that uh, we love, I wanted to just give a little shout out. I uh, went over on Tuesday to Tacos and Trivia. A night at uh, True Anomaly Brewing over in oh, the uh, nice. East End. Yeah, Houston. you sent me a picture. Yeah, from I sent there. you a picture from some. Uh, with some, and let me tell you, uh, obviously their beer. I'm a big fan. We've had them on the show a couple yeah, yeah. times. There, that Scout Mexican mm-hmm. Lager is fantastic. My wife was loving that, and uh, I was uh, enjoying. I think the Rocket Man. I think it's what it's called. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Pale Ale, the Citra Pale Ale. But uh, the uh, they also had uh, just a little table with these two ladies making tacos. And oh my God! Oh, how good was that? They were just incredible. <laughs> it was one of those things where, you, you know, I got a thing of three for me, a thing of three for my wife, and ate those three, and I was like, I might I, have to I, have I more. gotta have more. Yeah, yeah. So we, we split another one. Anyway, it was it was great. We had a good time. That's a fun place to hang out, out to, too, because to there's, guys. there's a great pizza place right next to it as well. Mm-hmm. So if you order pizza from there, they'll just bring it to you. Yeah, which is also very awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But don't don't sleep on the tacos. They were wonderful. No. If you're there and they got those tacos, true and only. So uh, the uh, Scout Mexican Lager. I bought a keg of that uh, for my sister's wedding. Oh, nice. That was just a couple weeks back, and. Um, that's where I was when uh, Alan was doing the show with you. Right. And uh, I bought a keg of that. I bought a keg of the um, 
Springbok. The Springbok from St. Arnold's, and they both floated right at the end of the <laughs> right at the end of the reception. Yay, it was perfect. <laughs> like, love it. Right on. Absolutely love it. Uh, I want to say thanks to our special guest from last week, David Schroeder with Guinness. His first time on the program, and uh, he brought you know some very very tasty stouts, and we enjoyed all of them. And uh, he was a uh, he was a great guest. So thank you, David, for being on the program. Uh, we originally had scheduled to have our wine expert Mark Burrell on. Things are bi- crazy busy for. Him right now at the Rainbow Lodge, so we have scheduled rescheduled him again just to give him a chance Rainbow to get Lodge out. Is so good. Uh, from under there. I think now uh, uh, now we've targeted a day that he will have off. So we'll we have a uh, gin cocktail from Wiki Brian on the um, on the comments here. He says, "Best gin cocktail: grab a rocks glass, grab your gin, open the gin, pour the gin down the drain." Fill Rock's glass with your favorite bourbon and enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not a gin not fan. A gin. Well, you know, I wasn't um, a very big gin fan at all uh, until I discovered some that I that I liked a little better. Uh, but to me, if it's too juniper-ish, uh, I just that's just not a flavor that I really enjoy that much. Uh. But what I love about the Fox and Seeker is it doesn't have as much of the juniper it's got all no, kinds it's, of it's unique it's got all kinds yeah. of floral things going on but uh but it's not it's not as much of a juniperish thing but i i understand where you're coming from on that that's a uh, that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting thing on the program today we're going to taste some interesting beers uh from our good friends out in humble texas at ingenious brewing we're going to try their soda shop root beer now it's not it's not a Non, it, it is an alcoholic beverage, it's, uh-huh. and it's not like a root beer seltzer or something like that. It's an actual beer, but it is a cream ale that has root beer flavoring. So I've never tried this. I'm very, That's be very, very curious because those guys, I mean, they're nuts out Everything there. Everything they genius. do is so super yeah. normal. Yeah, exactly. And, but no, so, they don't. So traditional, normal. so traditional and boring, those guys. Uh, so looking forward to that and also uh, reaching out to those guys to try to get them back on the show because it's been oh, a while. Oh, yeah, they're, they're so good. And they always have new stuff. They have new stuff like every week. Yeah, weekly. So, Absolutely. So it's, uh, so it's awesome. From New Belgium uh, Brewing in Fort Collins, Colorado, we'll be trying their Citrus Rescue IPA, and it's an interesting concept for the uh, for this particular IPA, because the citrus fruits that they use are the ones. Have you ever seen that where they advertise that uh, it's not called Ugly Vegetables, but you know what I'm talking about? Imperfect produce. Imperfect we produce. Get yeah. Imperfect produce yeah, boxes yeah. every couple weeks or something. And like and, that. and and it's great. So they're doing the same thing with fruit, uh, ones nice. that are that are maybe not quite as pretty as the others, but still have a lot of fruity goodness. So we'll uh, we'll be interested to try that and see uh, what it's like. And then finally, you know. One of the things I love about craft beer and craft brewers in general is that they're very creative when they name their beers. And I will fully admit that there are beers we've had on the show and will continue to have on the show that were chosen just because of their name. <laughs> solely because yeah, of the name. Solely the because of the name. You know? Yeah, or the packaging, right. From Duclaw Brewing in Baltimore, Maryland. All right, stop there. It's going to be good. Yeah, it's Duclaw. It's, that is a very yes. good brewery, yes. yes. Well, we'll be trying their chocolate peanut butter porter. It's called Sweet Baby Jesus. <laughs> I had to. I, it, was, it was right there. I was like, I got to buy this. I have to buy this. You can't not support the Sweet Baby Jesus. You know? Peanut butter chocolate porter. Yeah. I mean, that's. I'm, does, I like those things. Does not sound like a bad idea, does it's, it? It's like a Reese's. Uh, Reese's Porter, uh, kind of. Well, we'll <laughs> so we'll be trying a getting the lawsuit there. <laughs> we'll be trying a root beer flavored thing and a and a peanut butter flavored uh-huh. thing today. So that should be interesting. And then of course uh, we'll try a spirit from Mexico as 
we always do when we have tequila. Uh, the uh, Lote Maestro Tequila Añejo, which is spinning currently on Mr. Twirly Gig and looking very, um, I don't know, almost like a uh, something from QVC or the Home Shopping Network. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty. Uh, so we'll be we'll be trying some of that as well. Uh, plus, a lot to talk about in addition to the uh, craft beer reckoning that we mentioned earlier. Uh, some things in the news that are fairly interesting. There's a new Andalusian Bull cigar coming out, oh. but you can't buy it in any of your favorite cigar stores. Oh, it's good. only available through NFTs, which means... Now I'm going to have to figure out what the heck NFTs actually <laughs> are an and how do you use them to uh, to get a hold of this new Andalusian bull. Uh, we'll also uh, take you through a list of this year's top producing craft breweries. These are the breweries that produce the, the most, most amount, yeah. beer. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you'll recognize some familiar ones on there. And congratulations, by the way, to Spirit Hound. Uh, we've had Spirit oh, Hound yeah. whiskey. They took home whiskey of the year at the recent London uh, Whiskey Ooh. Festival. So that's a, that's a pretty big deal. And those guys, good job, guys. We had them on the show. It couldn't have been like more like down to earth. I still wear humble. my spirit hound cap. Oh, you have a cap? That's mm-hmm. great. You gave That's me cap. Great. So all of that is uh, coming up. We might even get into eight new single malt scotches to try right now, if we have time today on the program. And we will do drinking news, of course. Our drinking news teaser headline for today would be. Oh, what's that? You, you got a tight uh, cable yeah, there. Yeah, good luck so. with that. <laughs> Uh, Drinking News teaser headline would be A Terrible Way to Die. We're going to have a, a more serious drinking news today. Ah. Yeah, you know, because it's 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 hard to it's hard to laugh about serious matters such as death. Yes. So we'll, nothing funny about that. We'll do our best not to laugh. <laughs> Good luck to us. <laughs> so lots of great things coming on the program today. It's uh, finally getting to be nice weather, although it's been a little windy. Uh, has been which windy. has made outdoor cigar smoking a bit tough because everything burns so hot uh, when you when you do that. So when I smoked my cigar for the show this week, I actually. Uh, put the top down on the car, but pulled into a garage. <laughs> so that's uh, that's how I did it. I had the blockage, you know, from the right, sides right. of the garage, and it was. Uh, I was going to say uh, it's it got to be nice. really windy on your balcony. Yeah, it it is. Uh, I, there haven't been a lot of balcony smoking this last week, but I'm hoping right. that this dies down. The old saying is that March supposedly comes in like a lion and out like a lamb. Uh-huh. Uh, well, it's well into April, uh, <clears throat> Mother Nature. <laughs> and it's still blowing like crazy. To out say there. that Texas seasons are a little late, yeah. sometimes they don't show up at all. Sometimes, <laughs> <you know? laughs> sometimes they show up and just stay. Right. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, that that happens too. So, so what about you? Did you have a chance to smoke anything interesting this I week? I did. I went by. Uh, I went by the casa this morning and uh, was uh, perusing their selection there and found something that just looks super interesting. Yeah. Apparently, it's really new, and. Um, no, I thought I'd try it. It was the uh, Partagas, uh, Partagas? Partagas. Partagas. Yes. That's the way I say it. Well, Partagas. I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable there. <laughs> uh, the the Partagas Añejo Esplendito. Ah. This is a four and a half inch by sixty figurado. So, oh, which interesting. Is a cool looking little cigar. I bet. Man. Yeah, yeah. I see the pictures on that. That's it's great. It's a super cool looking little cigar. Uh, it's a it's a barbershop pole. Mm. So you don't see those uh, Partagas. I, I don't. I think I've ever seen one from them before. I've seen them from a few other, uh, like the Filthy Hooligan. Yeah, and, and, and some of the other, yep. I've seen them, uh, but I've never seen one from um, 
uh, from Partagas. So I'd be Partagas is one of those. Like, I wouldn't be surprised heritage. if this is one of their first ones. You yeah, know? and it's one of their heritage brands. Uh, the wrapper on this, it's the Añejo because using aged wrappers. So the wrapper was two different aged wrappers: is a 1998 Cameroon and a 2013 Connecticut Shade, mm, and that's what they use for the barber's pole. It's super pretty. Yeah. Uh, the binder is Dominican. The the filler is uh, Mexican and Dominican. The uh, appearance on this beautiful barbershop pole with ruddy brown Cameroon wrapper, lighter Connecticut, uh, opposing that, um, offsetting the uh, the color on that, mostly smooth overall with uh, with a few little soft spots in it. The uh, pre-light sniff on this, earth, barnyard, fermented hay, and a little bit of mocha on it, especially at the foot of the cigar. The pre-light draw, I used a clip on it, had a light draw to it, uh, spicy chocolate, uh, sweet cream, tea leaf, citrus fruit are flavors that I was picking up out of it. I lit this up. Big, toasty, spicy, tangy earthiness is what I put down. Apparently it was doing a lot <laughs> a, all at once. Yeah, that's a pretty good thing. <laughs> <laughs> big, toasty, spicy, tangy earthiness uh, with white pepper and underlying wood notes uh, right <laughs> off the bat. The retro hail was very cedar and earthy. The first third of this, massive smoke. I nice. mean, the smoke out of this was just just big, fluffy, ridiculous smoke. I absolutely love that. Uh, wood, rich earth and leather coming out. Sweet, creamy chocolate and toast uh, right behind it. White pepper and tea leaf in the background. Um, hints of citrus and, uh, and pleasant wood left on the lips. Uh, it was really, really nice. Uh, kind of leaves you with that, you know, little lip smacking kind of, mm-hmm. you know, tasting your lips after you take a puff. Yep. Uh, the uh, retro hail was earth and wood with a kiss of pepper. Uh, solid ash, perfect burn. The second third of this massive smoke. Yeah. Like the smoke out of this thing. From was this just, little bitty cigar. Yeah. <laughs> it was just the, the smoke <laughs> was just cool. huge. Um, the ash still hanging on. At this point, right? Uh, nutty. How far into it are you? This was the second third of the cigar, oh, nice, so nice. so I've got a full third of the ash hanging on here. But on a shorter uh, cigar, that that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, uh, nutty and earthy, uh, or sorry, nutty and uh, toasty notes appear, complementing the underlying sweetness. Wood notes are somewhat between oak and cedar. Uh, leather and earth take turns around the palate. Chocolate lurks in the background along with white pepper. The ash finally fell right before the last third of this. Retrohale at this point is nutty and chocolate backed by cedar. Solid ash, great burn. The last third of this, massive smoke. Did I mention that? You did, yes, but still. It's so it's so good. I just love that, like that big mouthful of smoke every puff tangy leather and cedar move forward fermented hay damp grass are a little more present um beautiful complexity in this masterfully crafted offering from partigas uh toasty notes ramp up towards the end along with a little sneaky mintiness uh coming around Mm. in there right at the very end of this uh the retro hail is toasty and sweet nuttiness with chocolate and white pepper um i really enjoyed this cigar it is however for a small cigar pricey it's a little pricey. It's it's nine dollars and eighty cents. So almost ten dollars cigar, cigar yeah. for for four inch by what did I say four and a half inches by sixty figurato. Uh, it smoked substantially longer than I thought it was going well, to. So that's a good thing for a small cigar. That's a little pricey. I thought I was going to get forty minutes out of this thing. It lasted an hour easy. So that's not too bad. Then. Yeah, big time. Like I, I, that added to the value, if you ask for me. Sure. Um, 
The flavor never got harsh, even when it was burning my fingers. Uh, at nine dollars and eighty cents, I give this a six. This was a fantastic wow. cigar. Wow, that's impressive. Absolutely enjoyed it, and I highly recommend. If you see one, get one. This is a medium strength cigar. Yeah, but even if you're uh, more inclined towards the uh, milder side, this cigar is medium strength, but it's not. Uh, uh, pepper biting or anything mm -hmm. like that. So if you're looking to maybe step up into something a little stronger and try something with a little bit bigger flavors overall, mm -hmm. this would be a great one to walk into because <laughs> it's not a super spicy cigar. It's got that white pepper kind of in the background, but not uh, not not so spicy as to turn off someone I think that likes uh, a mild cigar. cigar. That's cigar that's good. yeah, that's good. Sometimes, especially if you're uh, uh, someone who smokes milder cigars, sometimes you do want to stretch out a little bit because milder cigars have a tendency to have, in my experience, very similar flavor profiles. So sometimes you're looking for just a little bit of a change up in flavor, but you don't want to go out and smoke a bone crusher or a, a, a diesel or something like that. Right. Well, so and and to back up what you're saying also very strong cigars mm -hmm. you know on the very high end of the strength uh like the chisels and things like that tend to also have similar profiles right. that's 100 percent right the so, la gloria cabana uh, uh, uh what is the, uh, the chisel and the uh, yeah, right. siri r mm -hmm. and the, yeah, the siri r yeah, yeah, yeah those yeah. guys yeah. um and so uh uh, and and some of the diesels and things like that mm -hmm. are, are just pretty big and they're great and they can be chocolatey but also very peppery or they right. can be peppery and not chocolatey, but uh, or very coffee and peppery you know but uh, the the medium range of cigars when you start Seems getting to into be that where you get the most that's nuance. where you get a lot of the uh, complexity I, I think I would cigars. agree with that and that's why I'm uh, my absolute favorites have a tendency to be medium to medium full yeah because that's yeah. where I'm, I've found, I live in that kind of area that's where myself. I found the best uh, the best thing how about you well I smoked some something I had not ever smoked before uh, today. I smoked the H. Upman Hispanola, which is uh, by Jose Mendez. I smoked the Bellicoso, which is the torpedo-shaped uh, cigar. And uh, this was an addition to the H. Upman line released back in 2019. You know, H. Upman first did cigars with A.J. Fernandez, and that was a big hit for them. And so they then reached out to other tobacconists and, and blenders. And I will say that Jose Mendez is more known as a tobacco grower than a blender. Right. But he's known for growing some of the finest tobacco in the Dominican Republic uh, region. So Altadas USA uh, reached out to him, and uh, he stepped up to the plate with some serious leafage for sure in this cigar. Uh, the blend uses rich tobacco from several regions in the Dominican Republic. Adding to it some Nicaraguan tobacco in the in mm. the uh, filler. The binder is Dominican, and then it's draped in a really nice kind of red brown tinted Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper that's really really pretty. Uh, barnyard wet hay and tea leaf were on the pre-light sniff. The cold draw was earthy with uh, rich tobacco notes. I got that after I clipped the top to kind mm -hmm. of test the cold draw. And the airflow seemed perfect, so I lit the Hispanola or the Hispanola with my torch, and we were off to the races. Great complexity from the very first few puffs, which was awesome. Sometimes uh, in a lot of the cigars I smoke, you got to give them a half an inch or so to settle down before yeah. you start getting the complexity. This was this was there right away, which I was really uh, pleased with. I got toasted almonds, dry wood, and there was a very distinct black pepper on the finish. And when I say black pepper, you know the the flavor of the peppercorns that they put on top of the steak at steakhouses oh, sometimes. Yeah. It was that exact 
note was what I was getting. Nice. And so it wasn't as much like black pepper from the shaker, right. but more like, more like that uh, black peppercorn. Um, about an inch in, a really awesome creaminess kind of appeared and started to weave itself around the flavors, which by now included a nice note of baking spice as well. I have to mention that the Hispanola burned almost razor straight from the very beginning. I tipped the ash off at just over an inch because I was a little afraid to press my luck, quite, quite honestly. But I think it could very very well have held on to the halfway mm-hmm. point. Uh, second third added a bit of tangy sweetness on the tongue and hints of leather. Uh, nice balance and complexity continued as this thing smoked. The pepper ramped up a little bit in the final third with a hint of green tea and maybe even a little bit of citrus. I'm thinking that that little tang I was getting on the tongue was kind of a, kind of a, a citrus. citrus. Tang. Uh, The burn did not stay completely straight the whole way, but it was well behaved. It never needed tending. In fact, I didn't even pick the lighter back up once I started uh, smoking this. Uh, So while the pepper notes were always present, the Hispanola was not a full on pepper bomb like a lot of the cigars that I have a tendency to smoke. Uh, It was a little more subtle, very nice balance all the way through, and a solid medium, I would say, in strength. That's a pretty Um, cigar. I really, really enjoyed the Hispanola. And I will definitely uh, smoke it again. It's about a $9 cigar, and I would say very well worth it. Price to quality, I'd say it's solid five. Nice. I mean, and, and, and that is not in any way just because it doesn't get over the five. I mean, it is a $9 cigar. So for it to be worth it at 9 bucks, it's got to be real good. It's got to be really good. And, uh, and I was very impressed. So a lot of times if you go for the more traditional smokes in the H. Upman line, you get a much milder cigar, although they have branched out a little bit, and they've got mm-hmm. the Nicaragua and the different things. Obviously, the AJ stuff is uh, is a little more bold and flavorful. This was very different, though. It was somewhere in between the two in terms of strength, but it was definitely a a nice, complex mix of flavors, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. So, recommended. And uh, the, it also comes, I think, in a Toro and a Robusto. I was in the mood for a torpedo, so I went with the uh, Bellicoso. There you go. So it's very nice. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and uh, begin the tasting portion of the program, which I'm going to be honest is my favorite portion. (laughs) So so we'll be back and uh, try some of this Soda Shop Root Beer Cream Ale from our friends at Ingenious Brewing and Humble. That's up next. Plus, we'll tell you about Spirit Hound's big award coming up. My friends, it is smoking and toasting. This program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. Those are very good things. Those are all good. Those things. are all very good things. Our uh, smoking and toasting person of the week. Uh, we're going to give a big shout out and salute to Laura Sturgeon. Laura is a state senator in Delaware, and back in 2021, she introduced a bill to cut state taxes on premium cigars in the state of Delaware. Yay. That bill has, to show you how slowly things move, uh, that bill has now cleared its committee. And now we'll go on to another committee. And if it clears that committee, it will go to the, uh, to the assembly floor and be voted on. But uh, the idea that Laura had, God bless her, is to take the uh, 30% of the wholesale price tax 
on premium cigars in Delaware and slash that to 15%. So big salute. I like where her head is yeah. at. And, and it passed, by the way, 10 to 2 with one abstention. So I'd say it has some momentum going into the next uh, couple nice. of rounds here. So, you know, government always moves so lightning fast. You know that uh, that we'll, yeah. poor people in Delaware will still be paying taxes for a while, even if this thing goes all the way. But uh, but anyway, um, to our friends in Delaware, which by the way, Delaware has the. Uh, uh, I lived in uh, in Massachusetts for a while, and sometimes would drive south, like towards Connecticut or New York, and so you'd pass through Rhode Island, the smallest state in the union, right? And it would take you know it'd take you just a little while to pass through Rhode Island then then i lived in pennsylvania and driving to maryland from pennsylvania you pass through delaware and it takes like 45 seconds yeah. like so delaware is a little bigger but not you wouldn't know it uh, driving through it it's a, it's a uh, it's a pretty interesting state though they've got a lot of interesting things going on in <laughs> delaware so and uh, and a 30% tax on uh, cigars which hopefully soon Oof. will be 15% we've got our fingers crossed for you delaware hang in there all right it's time that was very well done. You've gotten pretty good at this in you know, 200, I, I 279 shows. You you wouldn't know this, but when I'm at home, a lot of times I set up a microphone and just crack my uh, beer cans into it just to make that's, sure. That's very interesting. I, and, I, I love your dedication and to the craft. And because I'm dedicated to making sure that um, that the cans are cracked properly, I have to then consume the beverage out of it because I don't want waste. Right. No, that would never be a good thing. We don't want we don't yeah, want any don't. good craft beer to go to waste. There may be a reckoning coming, and if you've been wasting it, it could show up as a thing, you know? That's one thing we want to be very, very careful about. We uh, we advocate for a lot of things here at Smoking and Toasting, and uh, not wasting good beer is one of them. So, ingenious brewing... In uh, our our friends out in Humble, who have been on the show a number of times, they've been at the um, at the Houston Whiskey Social oh, yeah. uh, several times with with some. They, I think of them as primarily like an IPA brewery because they do such creative IPAs. But they're stouts and porters. Oh, see, I I and, think of them as not an IPA brewery. I mean, they do a lot of IPAs, but I think of them as. Like if you want beer with ridiculous flavors, yeah, ridiculous, they do ridiculous, ridiculous. Yeah, they do it and they do it well. Yes, and uh, so that's what has me very curious about this. I will admit, if this like soda shop root beer beer were a cream ale, it says blended with root beer and vanilla beans. If this were from a different brewery, my expectations would probably be a little lower. <laughs> no, I'm serious because these guys just do ridiculous and they do it well. So let's see if it lives up to it. Boy, I can get the vanilla right. notes on the nose. Um, I'm I'm super curious to see what you think. I'm not a huge fan of root beer. Like I, I think root beer in general is a little too sweet. I would agree with you. I liked it more as a little kid. I like it a little less. As yeah, an adult. yeah. I mean, it's uh, the flavor itself is nice. You know, I remember the little hard root beer candies were kind of fun too. Um, this is like the kind of root beer I want. Well, you know what it reminds me of? Like it it ticked back a memory that I don't I don't think I've thought about in years when I was a little kid, my parents would sometimes take me to the A&W, which was like oh, yeah. a, a burger place yeah. with root beer. And if I remember correctly, it was kind of like a Sonic where you go up to the, you pull up your car up into the parking lot and there's a little, yeah. uh, uh, you know, intercom thing that you order and they bring it out to you. But A&W always used to put, if you got a root beer as your soda, they would put these little plastic animals like giraffes or, or horses or something, <laughs> uh, and they would put them right on the top rim of your cup. 
And then you get as a kid, you get to take that home. You know, and, and, and A&Ws are still around, but the only time you see them now is when they're uh, parasitically attached to a, a Long John Silver's, mm-hmm. which is a little weird to me. I think it's just the same the same company. But yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So, and, and by the way, Long John Silver's. Say what you want, but that is one of the greatest ways to poison yourself in the world. Man, it's just those so the, the, the crunchy stuff they put on their fish. It's got to be the single worst yeah. thing in the universe for you. <laughs> but boy, is it delicious! But it makes such a great tartar sauce delivery system, uh, and that's yeah. really what it's and about. What it's Let's all just about. go ahead. And but that this out. tastes one hundred percent like a root beer. It does. It does. And then, like on the finish, you get a little bit of beer. Yes, and then. The lingering little bit of vanilla that smooths everything out totally right. is completely delightful. <laughs> uh, th- so this is really good. Got a straw? <laughs> it does seem like you can mm-hmm. drink this with a straw, doesn't it? Wow. I would never have thought. Now, they have done these soda shop cream ales. They've done uh, different soda shop uh, iterations this before. so bizarre. So they've done like a, like a cream soda uh, iteration, and I think they've mm-hmm. done, I don't know if they've done a cola. That would be very interesting. But uh, but the root beer is, is just spot on. Nostalgia in a glass. This, uh, this shop beer will remind you of an afternoon with your loved ones on the Strand uh, or Washington Avenue, keeping the days of old alive. Those are Houston and Galveston uh, references yes. for those uh, from other parts of the country. But yes. Uh, that's uh, that's good. It does it does have that soda shop vibe. It about does. It, doesn't this it? is so bizarrely good. Uh, if, Five point two percent. Inter- interject for a minute. It yes, needs to be in a frosty mug. <laughs> I think you're right. Just I think like a, an A and W root A beer. frosty mug <laughs> yeah. would 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 probably would probably be a step. Yeah, I, I like it with, with um, a dollop of ice cream. Oh, now you're talking. In fact, I think you can actually make. So when I was uh, putting the notes together for the show. I went, uh, I went uh, online, and I think I clicked on the untapped uh, page yeah, for yeah. this. And there were several people that reported drinking it. Uh, one of them said well, that they found it too sweet, which they, I, I understand. They have that picture on the front that has the classic root beer float. Well, uh, that's what I was going to say. Is one of the other people who had commented they were drinking it were were about to make a root beer float with it, and they were going to get ice cream. So, uh, so it probably would work. It is a, a nice it is boozy, root, a nice good. boozy root beer float. I like it. I, I don't know if I could drink a lot of it, but boy, one uh, frosty mug. I could Doug do. Uh, this is a sixteen ounce can. I could definitely kill a sixteen ounce can. I don't know if I'd reach for a second one immediately. Yeah. But this is one of those fun things that you have a few in your fridge, and you go, "Oh, you want to try something interesting?" You know what else I, I will say about it before we move on is that the carbonation is strangely like the carbonation of an actual root beer. Oh. Most beer carbonation, the bubbles feel a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. These bubbles on your tongue feel bigger like a like I a soda, zippy. like a root beer. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, I'm pretty amazed by it, I have to say. And and I probably shouldn't be because the track record of Ingenious is is quite good. Yeah, there's a good I you know, and I love going to the brewery. Um it's not the prettiest brewery. It's got a cool uh, room that you walk into and then a nice little outdoor area. But it's it's basically in a business park, mm-hmm. as are a lot of breweries, by the way. Um, but it's nice because you can sit outside at the at the far corner and uh, and you can try all their absolute ridiculous ten plus percentage barrel aged 
Well, let's just say I don't usually drive home. <laughs> That's probably a good thing. And I'm glad you're careful. I'm glad you're careful. Spirit Hound Distillers, uh, who are based in Colorado, uh, recently won the prestigious honor of Whiskey of the Year at the International London Spirits Competition for, and I still have some of this at home, and I'm going to go back and drink some of it tonight just in celebration, uh, for their straight malt whiskey. Uh, what was that one about? Straight malt whiskey. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. If you say so. I'm just making these uh, things up. Uh, they took home the only U.S. gold medal, receiving the highest quality rating of any U.S.-based spirit in the competition. Um, and interestingly, I was uh, I was reading an article about this, which is where I first found out. And Craig Engelhorn, who is the founder of Spirit Hound uh, and the head distiller, when he got the email from London regarding the victory, he thought it was spam. <laughs> 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 which you know that does happen, right? Uh, Congratulations, you yeah, just won. Yeah, and now now send put fifty thousand dollars in an account, and the prince of you know some uh, Middle Eastern country you've never heard of will uh, be able to get out of the country and come to you and give you your millions. I got a text the other day that was like, "Hi, my name is so and so. As you know, I just won two hundred and fifty million dollars on the lottery and I'm giving my money away and click this link and like Do you and, want some? and a whole bunch of bad uh a bad gobbledygook gobbledygook yeah. in there yeah it was, I mean it yeah. was it was yeah. So I was like, no, <laughs> I don't believe you. Well, the award-winning whiskey is made with all uh, Colorado ingredients and was uh, is distilled on equipment that the master distiller, uh, Craig Engelhorn, built himself by hand. So this really is what you might call a micro uh, distillery. And uh, when they say it's handcrafted, it really and truly is. So that's, that's kind of cool. awesome. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So And we've had those guys on the show. Yes. Uh, I do love their whiskey. Super fun. It's yeah, fantastic. It's yeah, fantastic. So congratulations to them. That is a big, big honor, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm digging it. All right. Time to take a break once again while we enjoy a little more of this uh, root beer. I almost called it root beer float. Root beer beer. Uh, These guys are ingenious. They're just nuts in the greatest way possible. Yeah. Uh, All right. we got to get them back on the show. We're going to work on that. And when we return, uh, we'll be sampling a New Belgium Citrus Rescue IPA. Plus, I want to get into this list that we have of the year's top producing craft breweries. That's all coming up on Smoking and Toasting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is bizarrely good. I could not get over how much this is. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. As I pour myself just a little more of this soda shop root beer. Yeah, Unbelievable. It's, it's, it's like I would never pick that out of a lineup and say, I really want to try that, but yeah, it's really good. It really is. It really is. Well, that's one of the great things about the show is mm-hmm. we will try things like this. And now you might not have tried this either, but we recommend. I think, I think we've special. proven that our bar for what we'll try on this show is pretty low. Yes. Yeah. We'll try. Malort. Malort. We'll try. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the Montucky cold snack. Uh, uh. Uh, I would just mention, by the way, that um, I bought this uh, can at Specs, and it was in the um, that little end of aisle thing where you can mix and match your yeah, beers. Yeah, so I didn't fun. have to buy a four pack, you know, just to try it. And I would definitely say, I mean, it'd be worth a four pack. You're not going to drink them all the same day, no. but you could keep these in your beer fridge you know, and enjoy whatever. So the fun thing about beers like this, guy, beers from Ingenious, I think. Like they're fun to sit down and enjoy, and you will find uh, beers from Ingenious where you'll go. You know what? 
I'm definitely going to sit down and drink that. But a beer like this is something that I don't want to crack this open just by myself generally. No, I want to wait till you got open somebody over. Yeah. When I got a friend over, wants, hey, man, I want to try some. So it's, it's kind of a social, fun taster thing. I man. would love to see what would happen if you took a can of this or a couple of cans to your brew club. Uh, meeting your oh yeah your, yeah uh, yeah society of smoking and drinking yeah <laughs> the, the connoisseurs club of smoking <laughs> yes. and drinking that uh, that would be interesting to see how it would go over with those guys you know uh, yeah I think that I think that we'd have uh, a very polarized audience mm-hmm. there like some people I don't think there's a whole lot of down the middle with this one kind of like the gin thing we were talking about right earlier, right. right exactly so uh, I'll just mention that um, there's an interesting <laughs> article. <laughs> what, what, Sorry. Are you reading the? Uh, no, can? I just looked at the label. Yeah, yeah, the label's amazing. It's got a, it's got a, a an orange with googly eyes. Yeah, it's an orange with googly eyes because this is citrus rescue. So let's just jump into this. This is going to be. Sorry, I didn't mean this, to No, this is going to be. No, it's all right. I'm going to hang on to that because this is going to be interesting it enough. It just made me giggle. Citrus rescue, and you can read this off the can here in a bit. But this is uh, where they take some of this less than purdy. Fruit. It's got an ugly orange with some googly eyes on yeah. it, and they're placed perfectly. And they they take it and they use it as a part of what they brew. New Belgium, I would just say, th- these are the people that gave the world fat tire, and for that we fat owe tire them. We owe them a debt of uh, of thanks. Because if you ever find a place that has fat tire fresh on tap, oh yeah, yeah there is almost right. nothing as good as. It, like in style wise, right, right, as that beer fresh on tap. So the yeah. 1554 enlightened black lager is is fantastic. These guys are based out of Colorado, and if you're ever in Colorado or if that's where you happen to live, uh, you can find plenty of places that have it on tap, and it's super fresh and it's wonderful. And uh, even when I was out in Los Angeles, uh, you found places that had. Fat tire on uh, on on tap, and famously, I'm a big fan of uh, the Michael Connelly uh, Bush uh, uh, Bosch books and the Bosch series that's on uh, Amazon and on the series and in the books. Bosch is a big fan of Fat Tire, so it's uh, nice. it's just kind of a cool uh, kind of a cool literary yeah, reference. Fifteen fifty four, I think, is one of one a classic for me. Like, and, I used to buy that and. I, as an IPA guy, I will tell you their Voodoo Rangers Voodoo series Ranger is fantastic. Classic, yeah, 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 and they've got some of those Voodoo Rangers are serious IPAs, like uh-huh. like serious in the way that Stone IPAs are serious. So, have you smelled this? Uh, yes, it smells like, and I want to keep smelling tangerine it. and grapefruit and yeah. orange. So here's what it says: India Pale Ale with orange juice, orange peel, and natural flavors, and it has. The logo underneath the goofy-looking orange there of imperfect foods brewed with perfectly good but imperfect-looking fruit, it says. So uh, me and my wife get the imperfect produce box uh, every like couple weeks, I think it mm-hmm. is. And it's funny because you do get some ugly fruit, especially the carrots. The carrots are so funny-looking. <laughs> really gnarly-looking, huh? Yeah, we've gotten some that were so big, they're like, how do you even get into this carrot? <laughs> yeah. uh, I will say that uh, in... In you know, sort of a deference to my father, uh, the folks at New Belgium were unable to resist a good pun on the side of the can, where it says, "Aren't you glad this fruit didn't go to waste?" <laughs> yeah. So, there, Dad, you'll appreciate that. Um, mm. Oh, I love this. Absolutely love. It's so, pretty of, good. of all of the citrusy IPAs that I've tasted, this one probably tastes the most like a glass of orange juice. 
It's pretty orangey. It, it is, and it's got that. It's six and a half percent alcohol too. Yeah, so it's not. <laughs> it's a little bit bigger than you'd think. Yeah, it's not messing around. Uh, um, so what's what's your take on this being? Being the guy who's a little less inclined to IPAs than me. I'm for it. This is unapologetically orange and IPA, and I think it, it goes well. I dig I'm, I gotta get it. It leaves of this, this kind of wonderful tang aftertaste. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And not tang in the um chemically like uh the astronaut stuff. fake yeah. kind of <laughs> yeah. part of the tang, but in the orange like like you know when you when you first pour the tang powder in, you mm-hmm. have that smell? That's the aftertaste well, it leaves. When you drink tang as I remember from my youth, um, the when you first drink it, that first taste when it first hits your palate is really good. Right. It's it's the finish that is right. So is this kind of artificial. This tasting. has that real good part of what tang tastes like as an aftertaste. But I remember it's really interesting. I remember as a kid though thinking if it was good enough for the astronauts, it's good enough <laughs> well, for me. That, right. Pretty sure that's why they sold it that <laughs> yeah, way. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> At least it wasn't high C. Do you remember? We used to get high C uh, when high I was a C. kid. My mom would get those big cans, uh-huh. you know, that were uh, that were like big round cans, and you had to like poke a hole in both sides of the top, and then you pour it out of the can. And I always remember high C had emblazoned on it proudly. On the side of the can, contains 10% fruit juice. 10% fruit juice. <laughs> what the heck is the rest of the stuff in there? I don't even want to know. Uh, Cheaper than fruit juice. But, That's what it is. Yeah. But this is better than uh, Tang or uh, High C, for sure. I, I like this, and I will be uh, stocking up on some of this. This is, this is, First of all, I love the idea of rescuing the gnarly fruits. And secondly, this is just a delicious beer. Okay, you're going for a little, uh, for a, a little extra. So that that t- when it's an IPA, that tells me something. It's real good. It's real I good. dig it. All right, we're going to take another uh, quick break. Oh, Doug, we'll go for some seconds. <laughs> Doug's as like, well. come in. <laughs> Doug's <laughs> like, how did I land this sweet gig? <laughs> All right, we will be back uh, in just a moment. Uh, and uh, drink news is still on the way. Plus, I am going to get into this list of uh, of the uh, highest producing craft breweries of the year and it's a very interesting list i think you'll like this so stick around it's smoking and toasting yeah can only think of tequila in terms of Wee herman yeah <laughs> and younger people think of it in terms of dan and shay <laughs> Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. This is yes, the radio is. program, podcast, and video extravaganza that is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. I'm having fun on today's show. Sometimes it's fun when it's just it was just the uh, you know the two of us and the producers. We have a certain just, repertoire. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? I, I think repartee is the word you were looking for. Yeah, it was <laughs> something <laughs> something rep, it's, reputation. It's, it's a lot of fun sometimes. Reprehensible. To just use the wrong word at the right time. Reputation, reprehensible. <laughs> <laughs> Reparations, I don't right, know. Right. Something in there will be uh, appropriate. Uh, so the uh, new list has come out, and it's actually a list of uh, for 2021. I, I, I build it as this year, but it was released this year. But based on the figures and the numbers for 2021, of the top 50 craft brewing companies, and now this is based purely on the amount of beer. Straight numbers here. That they produce, right? So number one, not surprisingly, is... D.G. Yangling & Son out of uh, Pottsville, uh, Pennsylvania. Yangling is a huge brand, 
but they are still a craft brewer. They're yeah. still independent and independently owned. Number two will also not surprise you. It's Boston Beer, yeah. uh, which is Sam Adams out of Boston. Those guys have got you know great reach there. You can find um, Sam Adams everywhere. In fact, I was thinking about this when I was in Specs this week because I was looking for a couple of things to buy. And by the way, you know what I found was I found that that Deftones IPA that uh, Belching so Beaver put out. Good. And so I bought some of that. And you want to know something? In a six-pack of the taller cans, it wasn't more expensive than a six-pack of shorter cans really? of other things around. Yeah. So I don't know if that was mismarked. Uh-huh. I don't want to say it too loud because I don't want specs to go back and mark it. Anyway, I definitely bought a six-pack of that. <laughs> nice. and, and that's a wonderful beer. Anyway, uh, but I was looking at the Sam Adams, and I thought, you know, I should... I really should buy some Sam Adams sometimes. I, I don't want to take them for granted. They're they're a, a pioneer of craft beer. They, you know? and they came out beers. with great beer at a time when no one was nobody doing it. Was nobody. Doing they it, yeah. literally uh, opened the doors for so many people to not only just try. Like There just wasn't that much different beer in the United States at that point in time. And they've more recently showed their commitment to continuing to blaze new trails in craft beer when they merged with Dogfish Head. Yes, yes. Which is a, another great beer company. Dogfish Head is so Fantastic. Fun. So Boston Beer is number two. Number three is Sierra Nevada out of Chico, California. And they uh, they established themselves early and they still to this day make great beer. I heard that. It was great. I noticed that you um, cleared the top of this bottle so we didn't have any spillage and or uh, plastic cuts. Yeah, you know, the- I wouldn't want you to cut yourself on the plastic from having to clear it around the top, and uh, you know, having having the spillage danger lessened, I think, can be really important when it comes to uh, spirits. So. Agreed. All right. So, uh, so while we pass this around, I'll give you a few more from the list. Uh, number four was Duvel. Uh, which is, um, uh, it's actually Duvel Morgat, USA. But you know the Duvel uh, line of beers. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, Gambrinus at number five. And Gambrinus is important because that includes Shiner. Uh, Shiner Beer is part of the Gambrinus uh, Brewing family. So they are pretty high on this list, which is pretty cool. Uh, Bell's Brewery out of Comstock, Michigan is number six. And that's pretty good Yeah. Uh, in terms of I mean, those guys. Well, we know that in the last couple of years, Bell's has really branched, branched out yeah. in terms of being available everywhere. I have some of their, uh, I think it's called Original Hazy IPA in my refrigerator right now. I haven't now. tried that one. Oh, it's good. I'll have to bring some on the show. Yeah. I don't think we've tried it on the show. It's really good. Canarchy uh, is uh, number seven. That includes a number of different breweries out of Longmont, Tampa, Salt Lake City, Comstock, and Dallas. Artisanal Brewing Ventures out of Downingtown, Pennsylvania, which I believe is uh, Victory, okay. uh, yeah. among others. Um at number nine, Stone Brewing out of Escondido, yeah. California. Uh, and then Sweetwater Brewing out of Atlanta uh, finishes out the top ten. I'll uh, mention a few others down the list here. and won't go over the whole list, but if you want to look at this yourself, go to brewersassociation.org, and you can see the full list of the 50, along with a nice little uh, uh, map of the U.S. that points out where a lot of these are. Couple of uh, couple of things that I wanted to point out though from the uh, from the list. 
Uh, at number 21, Harpoon Brewery out of Boston, which is one of my all-time favorites because they were where I fell in love with IPAs. And, yeah. and I just absolutely appreciate them and all that they are about. Three Floyds uh, out of Munster, Indiana is number 26 on the list. Uh, Alaskan Brewing Company out of Juneau, Alaska is number 31. And uh, I'll just also mention Flying Dog out of Frederick, Maryland, number 35. And one of my absolute favorites here. At number 44, St. Arnold Brewing Company, Houston, Texas. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, uh, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. So, it's a great list. Uh, take a look at it. I won't go down all 50 of them, but it's definitely definitely worth your time if you're a craft beer enthusiast to see who's m- producing the most beer. Again, it's not a statement of popularity or or quality or regional dominance. Right. It's really just about just who brews the biggest volume of craft beer in 2021. Straight up numbers. All right, Ian, we are about to try some tequila here that is, uh, I think, going to be very interesting. This is, uh, of course, Lote from Mexico. Maestro. Lote Maestro. It's a tequila. It's an Añejo. And it is, uh, what's well, a beautiful bottle, by the way. It is a gorgeous bottle. It's the second brand we've seen that has that top, uh, that topper that has tequila yes. in it, which I think is really interesting because I remember when we got to the um, end of the last bottle that was like that, it was really cool to know we had just a little more there's, tequila there's left. Just one more it was bit awesome. left. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. So this, I'm going to tell you, is very different. I believe this was finished. Can you look on the back and tell me what cask this is finished in? Was it port or sherry? Cognac. Cognac cask. Okay. So you can definitely pick up on a little of that on the nose. It's got that a sweeter, um, more got grapey, an earthy variety. vegetal kind of uh, mm-hmm. nose to it. That's kind of interesting. It smells like tequila with a vegetal kind of. Uh, I, I almost get so much of the um, of the cognac cask on the nose that I'm not really picking up a lot of uh, agave. I pick up the agave right off the right off the bat, but I'm getting yeah that that cask. And look at the color of it. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it really is a beautiful color. And it's, uh, hmm. Wow, that's interesting. That's so different than that anything taste I even like remotely any tequila I have ever had it before. It tastes like somebody spilled a little bit of tequila in the cognac. It really does. And that's so interesting because it's finished in cognac barrels. But it almost, at least my first reaction to it is it almost tastes, as you were saying, more like a cognac than a tequila, which is not a, not bad, although it's not what I was expecting. It's um, it's like a peppery, a, a, a peppery cognacy. It's very cognac-y. Cognac-y it's is, cognac-y. That's a new That's a new word. I like that. <laughs> um, do you like it? I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. Like, I'm two sips in, and I'm still, like, so confused by it. It is a confusing tequila. It definitely Um, tastes like a high-end spirit, I will say that. But I'm still getting more cognac than tequila out of this. So the aftertaste is even confusing. Like, it, it... it aftertastes tequila and then immediately morphs into like yes. a warm the cognac kind of thing. First note is is more agave on the aftertaste, and then and and the finish, and then it just slowly gets kind of overridden 
by the like, cognac. Did somebody put pepper in my cognac? It strikes me that this is something that someone like Chris Hart, who really likes cognacs and armagnacs, would really like. Like this would be a tequila he would love. I- I'll tell you what I like about it. I like the weird grapey earthness to it, okay? Mm-hmm. There's a there's a grapey earthiness to it that is so alluring and so interesting, and it's followed by that peppery um, agave flavor, but it's so barrel-forward up front. And barrel-forward's a great way to say it. It is definitely, it's the most... It's- it's a little too sweet, I think, almost. Like, the sweetness is distracting. Which is more of the cognac uh, vibe that is sweet like that. Right, because you're not used to tequila being sweet at all. This is this doesn't make me think... Usually when I taste a really good tequila, I think, wow, I would love to any- go to original Ninfas and just enjoy a really good plate right. of enchiladas or fajitas and... Uh, and this doesn't send me. This doesn't no, taste Mexican. This, I don't think this would go with fajitas very well at all. I don't think Mexico. When I drink this, I think France. I think if you were going to have a cigar with this, you'd have to go Connecticut, something very light and mild, because yes. this would, I think, just wreak havoc upon anything with a chocolatey flavor. Do we have any water? Do we have any uh, like a? Uh, maybe Adam can grab us some. Adam, you rock. I want to try this with a little water. Little drop in it. I'd of water in it. Super interested to see what happens, because I'm willing to bet this is going to open up into something completely different when we do. Well, that, that would be fascinating because that's not something I think of doing with tequila. Right, but but this is so barrel with forward the, that with like, the, you know with obviously with a good whiskey, yes, with uh, with even a rum. You gonna try the same yeah. thing? I'm I'm super interested just to see what happens. I wonder if the nose and everything's going to change. Now I get pepper on the nose. It it smells more tequila like now. Now it reminds me with a little bit of water it reminds me a little more of a very pepper forward tequila like a hornitos. I like this a lot better with a touch of water. It tends to cut some of the sweetness. Right, it certainly does. It's and you this get a little, is one of the few liquors that we've ever had where I go, you know what? It's a little, just a little too sweet. Like, right? Like this is very. It's fascinating because again, we've never had a tequila that I would describe as sweet. It, tequilas are always more savory. More. So the, the one drip of water is enough. The two drips of water is too much, and it, it's too much. It waters yeah. it down. Hmm. It's so interesting, you know. I'm really a, intrigued by this. This this is one of those funny uh, spirits that you end up with on your shelf that you go. It's just look how long we're talking about it, right? Right. You know, what I mean, and all the different things we're saying about it. It's it's incredibly interesting. I don't know. Uh, I, I can't even describe how bizarre this is. It, it's just so different from any tequila I've ever tasted before, and I've tasted quite a few different tequilas. <laughs> you know, uh, this you know, been... this would probably go well with dessert. With, uh, like, cheesecake or, like, um, something creamy and smooth kind of thing like that that doesn't just rely on sweetness. I think this right. would... A creme brulee, maybe? Yeah, something along those lines I think would go well with. Um, it's interesting. I kind of want a little more, but I'm not sure about it. By the way, just want to mention this one thing. You were talking about pairing of sweets. This is totally random. But Girl Scout cookie thin mints... 
and plantation Stiggins pineapple rum. Oh, oh my God. A match made in heaven. Oh, no. <laughs> it just, just take it. Trust me on this one. You must try it if you have some of that Stiggins fancy pineapple at home. Oh, my God. With a Girl Scout cookie thin mint, life changes. It's, it's, oh, it's a wonderful goodness. thing. I haven't it's bought any Girl Scout thing. cookies this year. Uh huh. How did you? How did you hold out? How you know, you... I haven't run in any Girl Scouts to be honest oh, with you. Ah, okay. So it's not entirely my fault because not I mean, for nothing. But you can order them online. Those those uh, they used to be called Samoas. What are they called now? Oh, I don't know. Do they even still have the Samoas? Oh, those are. I mean, I can wreck a box of those. Let me talk to you about the lemonades. Or I, I think that I call them lemonades, but I think they're lemon something. Yeah. They're this larger lemon cookie with the icing on the bottom. Oh dear God! It's like a. <laughs> it's like a. Uh, a, a uh, it's like somebody made a really good. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, lemon squares? Yeah. It's kind of like that. Oh, nice. Oh, it's wonderful. Uh, Tin Whiskers is one of the 25 largest breweries in Minnesota. They've had a very strong following for their infused beers, which can actually be found on liquor store shelves at restaurants and in a uh, tap room in downtown St. Paul. Um, the uh, Tin Whiskers Brewery is closing. Minnesota's craft beer scene has actually lost a handful of breweries over the years, but the recent announcement uh, that Ten Whiskers is closing really caused a, a raising of eyebrows. They say uh, that a lot of people getting in, this is uh, from the owner of Ten Whiskers, Jeff Moriarty, uh, he says a lot of people getting into craft brewing think that it's easy, easy money. I feel like a bubble is coming, he said, that a reckoning is going to happen. And we talked about how um, you know there are supply chain issues and, yeah. and costs are going up everywhere. More breweries, he says, are fighting for a smaller piece of the pie, but it's not the only problem. Costs are rising for all kinds of materials. Moriarty said his canning costs spiked 127% oh. last year Ouch. over a span of 12 months. That adds $9 to the cost of producing a case of beer. Uh, COVID restrictions and waves of the virus, of course, we know wiped out or reduced revenue from tap rooms and restaurant sales, which are much more profitable than actual can and bottle sales at retail. And meanwhile, um, a, a lot of workers are still at home, they say, in downtown St. Paul. Uh, and uh, just a few blocks away from there, Stack Deck Brewing closed in October. Um, the Minnesota Craft Brewers Guild is lobbying the state capital to allow breweries to sell six packs directly to their customers, which is still a thing uh, there. Yeah, we, we just got that, over that. That really not helped that long here ago. in Texas. But, uh, but yeah, he says expect price hikes as brewers deal with added expenses. I think the consumer somewhat knows that, but I don't know if they're fully grasping that pints are going to be a little bit pricier. What, what do you think? Is there a reckoning? I'll Excuse tell me. you. Is there so, a reckoning coming for craft beer? I think what's happening is a changing of the uh, the the model. Mm -hmm. So when craft beer started to explode, craft beer breweries started to explode. Everyone's initial goal was, "Come on in, do a tour. We'll give you tasters, and then right. you go out to your local store and you buy our stuff." And now it's like get and you into our. Tap that room. was because. The tap room could only do such limited things like that. Correct. There yeah. was a huge limit on how much you could even uh, do, and then your only real hope of getting your beer out there was to have distribution and having it 
start you know local and then go regional and those mm -hmm. kind of things and that model has a has changed tremendously we've talked about this and uh, the the fact that a lot well, it's of changed these, here in texas it hasn't changed everywhere right well, well so so we definitely got a big boost when it, uh when it came to the fact that the um uh, uh, that the the laws were changed so they could sell their own beer, which right. I think I'm sorry, but if you're a brewery and you have a tap room and you have an area where you can like hang out at the brewery and stuff, that's a place you should be able to sell your own beer. And I don't well, know why laws. Well, I can other tell than other than cutting out the middleman. That's of, exactly what it is. It's about the distributors and how much clout those guys uh, had it's, at it's, government and and it's nefarious with is what that that's that's I a agree. terrible thing. I agree. And them having a vice on it and saying, well, no, no, you, sorry, I know you make this, and you have this space. But you can't sell you any of it. you want people to come in, but you can't sell it without yeah. me being in the middle of it. That, when, I mean, that's uh, so I'm glad we got over that to a large degree. When my wife and I were True Anomaly this week, it was just awesome to look around. As the evening went on, the place filled up. No, it's not a huge place. Right. But that tap room filled up, and everybody yeah. was enjoying great beer, and uh, some of them were participating in the trivia thing and eating the tacos. But it was just... It was just this really cool communal sense, I'll just say this, of neighborhood. Yeah. Because these were, I think, primarily Locals. people from not not even just our city, but from that area of town. Well, it was as local, local is, as it got. This is my whole point. The model has now changed to where now I don't think breweries, like, I know that they work on having their, their beer in the local stores and things like that. But the truth is there are some breweries that I don't think do a whole lot of that or, or care as much about it as long as they can have that community tap room and it's becoming kind of an older school thing where this mm -hmm. is where people go gather now and you go hang out at the brewery the brewery has a place where your kids can run around and play they have a big yard where you can go out and smoke a cigar they have uh, uh tvs if you want to watch the game they have i mean mm -hmm. it's become a fun place to be Right and hang out. You can bring your dog. You know, right. there was a number of dogs have there. Outdoor on. areas. You can bring your dogs. Things like that. And that whole model has changed hugely. So uh, COVID jacked up a lot of that because mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, especially the startup ones that uh, that didn't have a lot of distribution, didn't have a lot of stuff. Like here in town, we have some breweries like Walking Stick and a few others that literally they don't. As far as I know, I, I don't know how much dis distribution they even have. I've only seen Walking Stick at the brewery. Right. I don't think I've seen it in any stores. Right. So, like, their their tap room is their life, mm -hmm. you know? And if you have a startup brewery that's like that, and all of a sudden COVID comes along and everything shuts down, you now have nothing. Right. You, you have no sales. Yeah. Yeah. Because the bars where you might have had it on tap in your neighborhood are shut down. Yeah, they're and, not and buying your, kegs. And your uh, whole uh, tap room is shut down. Yeah. It's, well, it, that's why it did my heart such good. It was uh, it was the first, you and I, I think, uh, went out to Eighth Wonder uh, a few months ago. Yeah, yeah, just a couple but months ago. other than that, this is the first time I've been just out in the evening to a tap room and really gotten to look around and see the people are coming back. Yeah. That the sales are there. And I'll just say this. I've We've had uh, True Anomalies beers here in the studio. I've had them at home. There's nothing quite like that Rocket Man Citra it's great. Pale Ale out of the tap. One it's of the things wonderful. that I look forward to when I go to True Anomaly is their Belgian-style beers. Oh, they have some great ones, they too. They always have them, and they always have a few varieties, and they always have them on tap. And I love going to that brewery. Because mm -hmm. I know that they'll have other beers I like. Like, I like Scout. I think Scout's one of the mm -hmm. best Mexican lagers in existence. Agreed. 
But man, I, I'm I'm reaching for those Belgian style <laughs> beers that they have. I love it. I love it. All right, my friends, uh, we have got to uh, uh, take a quick break, and we're going to be back with drinking news. And I'm also going to tell you about um, <laughs> the uh, La Flor Dominicana, uh, the Andalusian Bull, that you can only I- get if you have if you are NFT savvy. So that's something that we're going to tell them what NFT is. Yeah, exactly. When we come back. Samoas are now caramel delights. Samoas are now what? Caramel delights. Caramel delights. That's the from Welcome back. Sweet baby Jesus. It is smoking and toasting. Program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. Sweet Baby Jesus is twirling around on uh, Mr. Twirly Gig. That's the uh, beer named Sweet Baby Jesus from Duke Law. So we'll be getting to that in a moment. But first, uh, anything I saw you checking the comments. Anything you wanted to pass along? <laughs> well, apparently in the Lansing, Michigan area, there's still Samoas. Different conferences have different names for the same cookies, apparently. So we're talking about the Girl Scout cookies that were called Samoas, at least in some areas, are now called Caramel Delights. Is that right? Yes. So I wonder how the people of Samoa feel about the fact that their country name has been usurped for Carmel Delights. Carmel Delights. I don't know. I liked them when they were Samoas, but uh, but that's just me. So I'll the find PC other, culture has I'll, gotten a little. I'll, I'll find over th- other things to be uh, to be more upset about. And speaking <laughs> of that, it's time, ladies and gentlemen, for the most popular segment of the program. Uh, it's a little something we like to call. Drinking news. Drinking news. Drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Drinking news. Drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, I had to take my gator to the vet. Drinking news. Drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. Now that sounded like Rowdy. <laughs> that was Rowdy. <laughs> the one and only Rowdy Yates, ladies yes. and gentlemen, adding his dulcet tones to the Drinking News uh, theme song. Uh, a quick reminder that Drinking News, our most popular uh, segment of the program, is uh, not a uh, not necessarily a uh, always stories about drinking, although sometimes they are. Sometimes, yes. Yeah, uh, but they are always stories that are probably best enjoyed if you've been so, sometimes drinking. the stories are actually about drinking monkeys, and that's hilarious. Yeah, that's <laughs> monkeys that drink. Yeah, yeah that's that was situationally last just hilarious. that was last week's story. Yeah. Drunken monkeys, <laughs> just drunken. Mon- it's talking about drunken monkeys. I think that's what I will call a bar if I ever opened it. The drunken monkey. The drunken monkey. <laughs> I just like the name. I like the I like the image that it conjures up. Uh, well, far be it from us here at Drinking News to laugh at the prospect of someone meeting their life's end. So. We will try very hard to keep the snickers and guffaws to a minimum during today's drinking news story, and we'll ask your forgiveness just in case we don't quite make it. Uh, Now, the truth is, we're all going to shed this mortal coil at some point. A recent article on the website Grunge asked scientists about what the very worst ways to die would be, and their answers included radiation, fire, and being buried alive. Which that one scares the crap out of me. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, yeah, that's that. But even worse than being buried alive would be if, in the process of this particular way to die, there was a lot of feces involved. Oh, Pretty much seems like that's something that most people could buried avoid. Alive <laughs> could avoid and poo. Yeah, but this unfortunately brings us to this week's story for drinking news. <clears throat> 
a Florida man whose job it was to direct the traffic of incoming and outgoing dump trucks, tractors, and bulldozers was killed when he failed to do his job last month at the North Central Landfill in Polk County, Florida. He failed to do his job? That's right. It seems the man had to answer nature's call. So he left the landfill vehicles to fend for themselves while he went to do a number two in one of the landfill's porta-potties. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) As it turns out, things went very wrong for the Florida man. I'll say this for sure. When my time comes, I hope I just pass peacefully in my sleep and not sitting on the porcelain throne. And certainly... Not sitting on the not-at-all porcelain throne. The ABS plastic porta-potty. But that's where this Florida man was when things began to get confusing for the drivers of the vehicles in the landfill. Without anyone to guide him, the driver of a huge bulldozer didn't see the occupied porta-potty. I want to back up. And when we talk about huge bulldozers, we're talking about bulldozers where the tire is substantially taller than the porta-potty. Exactly. Exactly. And yes. this particular bulldozer, the driver didn't see the occupied porta potty because the front blade of his vehicle was elevated somewhat off of the ground and was blocking his forward view. So he didn't have anyone directing him. And as a result, he not only hit the porta john and knocked it over, which would be bad enough for its occupant, uh, but he actually drove over it, crushing oh, it geez. and everything inside, including the contents of the holding tank and the Florida man who was seated inside. Now, this is a very sad story, and I will admit I feel almost as bad for the mortician whose job it was to prepare the body for burial afterwards as I do the Florida man inside. But I think it brings us to some important porta-potty safety tips. That is a crappy way to die. Yeah, yeah. So it brings us to some important porta-potty safety tips that we should, as a public service, now pass along from Drinking News. Number one, when it's your job, to make sure that bulldovers don't drive over porta potties, be sure to designate somebody to do that job for you before you take a magazine or a newspaper into the porta john for a little you time. Cannot stress this enough. Oh. Number two, whenever possible, try to do your more involved bathroom business at home and just use the porta potties to take a quick leak so you'll be out of there before the bulldozers come. And if you're seated on the throne, and you hear that big engine approaching, for God's sake, finish your business as fast as you can. It's important. Number three, and this is perhaps not life and death, but a good rule to remember. Never, and I mean never, use the porta potty at a chili cook-off. I'm just telling you. Trust me on this one. You may not die, but you might wish that you had. Because believe me, you can hold it. You will, you will thank me later. And finally, if your friends are the type who might think it's funny to wait until you go into the port john and then try their hand at tipping it over with you inside, you seriously need new friends. Yes, Tommy Jernigan, I'm talking to you. There's a reason why I don't return your text messages anymore, <laughs> you little prick. So, while the death of the Florida porta potty man is tragic and sad, we can all learn from this incident and practice porta potty safety whenever possible. And I've also, out of consideration for this man and any others like him, have vowed to never again enter a porta potty, notice the odor, and say, wow, 
Smells like something died in here. <laughs> it's the least I can do. Reporting from the North Central Landfill in Polk County, Florida, my name is Cruz, and that is your... Drinking news, drinking news. That's our time for drinking news. So I will say that's our first drinking news that involved an actual death. So cheers, y'all. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to make death funny, you know? Yeah, well. But porta potties are funny. Just so you know, if I die in a way that's actually hilarious, yeah, please laugh. Okay, I, I Make it worth it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't want to have a funeral. I just want people to have a big party when I go and come and, you know, just drink and smoke and celebrate. And you heard it, folks. Have a good time. Nobody can hold it against me when I party. <laughs> cruise is gone. It's party. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. not how it's going to work. The cruise is gone party would be a fun party. Yeah, well, I mean, I assume... Yeah. Let's let's get let's dip into the macabre here for a moment. Okay. I assume we already did with the uh, tumbling over and smushing you, of the <laughs> porta potty with a man inside. But yes. if you were to leave us, Cruz, it would be quite the drunken fest, I believe. Yeah, I think so. And I will just say this: uh, if and when I do shed this mortal coil, if it is before you, my friend, I am bequeathing you right here and now the contents of whatever's in my humidors. You heard this. Yeah. I've said it right here on Smoking and Toasting. You know, give Adam a couple. Just, you know, make sure he's taken care of. But, yeah. Yeah, I can trust you to I do believe that. we would o- open it up and uh, enjoy the party. I think you should. I you know you what? Should. I'm going to go ahead and say same this way. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, so for my humidor, it's pretty beat up right now. It didn't matter how beat up it is. It matters what's inside it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. The inside's oh, beat up. It enough. actually looks real pretty, but the inside's beat yeah, up because I've been smoking right. a bunch of cigars. Well, that's the way it goes Can sometimes. I just say, yeah. sweet baby Jesus. Please do. And please open, sweet baby Jesus. That is a sound. Sweet baby Jesus. A, a chocolate... Peanut butter porter from Duclaw Brewing Company. And we'll point out we've had Duclaw's beers on the show oh, before. Oh, man, have and we? And they have certainly been wonderful. So I'm, We had uh, one of the early I'm ones high, we had was their Hell on Wood, which was just yeah, unbelievable. I have high expectations for this, to be honest with you. A peanut butter porter sounds like a great idea to begin with. Duclaw is awesome. And then it's called Sweet Baby Jesus. So you can't just, you can't just put out a mediocre beer and name it Sweet Baby Jesus. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? Like, like you have elevated, be, you, you have elevated be at least this good. Yeah, you have elevated the expectations just a bit here. So somebody's going to have to come through. All right, sweet baby. While you're tasting this, I'll go ahead and see what it says on the can. Do okay. Club Brewing Company, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, really, just a classic <laughs> porter with heavenly aromas. I just stuck my nose in it. I was and, trying to. <laughs> and flavors <laughs> of roasted drink much? Yeah. <laughs> flavors of roasted malt, chocolate, and rich peanut butter with a smooth, dry finish. One sip and you will exclaim oh, the name. Sweet baby Jesus. Oh, my goodness. I am really. So peanut butter porter with roasted coffee beans. Oh, man. It smells so good. Like the nose on this. You ever go to roast peanuts and you get some of them just a little too toasty? I have never roasted my own peanuts. Oh, so so let me let me tell you a great thing to do. Buy a bag of the peanuts still in the shell like they serve mm. at uh, at baseball games and just take them out, leave them in the shell, put them on a cookie tray, put them in your oven on broil. Uh, um, I don't know, 10 minutes. Not more than that. That's all you got to do, huh? Yeah. Take them out, let them cool, and then shell them and eat them. You will get the most 
deeply roasted peanut flavor. And that is what I'm getting out of this. Just nice. wonderful. A, a few of them will be roasted a little too much, but that's okay. Like, I've roasted pumpkin seeds before. That's really Well, that's good. a really yeah, good thing really good, to do. Nice. Yeah. What do you think of this uh, sweet baby Jesus? This is uh, less sweet than I expected it to be. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times when you get a peanut butter beer, they, they, they tend to sweeten it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I love that this is not. This is this is dry and uh, and bitter like a coffee with a peanut butter flavor as well. And it really, really blends nicely. So I think I think we're just uh, we're just winning on beer today. Uh, did you read this already? A classic porter with heavenly aroma. I did. Yeah, I thought you did. Uh, I was I was waiting for you to read this other part where it says, according to the Surgeon General, uh, women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy. Interesting. Yeah. That's very original. I feel like I've read that before. Yeah. I feel like they're plagiarizing. <laughs> Chocolate peanut butter porter. This is a, uh, it's only a 6.2%. But then generally speaking, though, Ian, porters are not huge, huge ABVs, correct? Porters... Porters in style are generally one notch below uh, a stout. Right. That's where they live. In terms of ABV. In terms of ABV. But uh, that's, I mean, we we gray lines all the time nowadays. So you can have stouts like Guinness at 4.5%. Or uh, you can have porters that are, you know, topping 12 and 13% because you've barrel aged them and stuff like that. So, uh, like the uh, there's there's just there's just a lot of gray lines, but generally speaking, uh, stouts were bigger, porters were the the little brother to the stout. You know, I just saw actually uh, when I when I bought this actually I saw a bottle a bomber bottle of the five one two double pecan porter. Which have you had that? I didn't get. Yeah, we've had it on the show. It's like seven the, kinds of good. Which is the only reason that I didn't buy it and bring it in is that we've already had it. But maybe we should just try don't it again. let that stop you. <laughs> maybe we should just try it again. Okay, because that is all kinds of double good. Yeah. pecan stout is unbelievable, mm-hmm. and it's an expensive bottle. Mm-hmm. And holy crap, is it worth every penny? It most certainly is. That's good stuff. But I can't, uh, I can't take anything away from the sweet baby Jesus out of Baltimore, Maryland. Um, what do you think? What do you think? As as porters go, I want an entire pint of this. Yeah, to just sit and be contemplative upon. <laughs> Contemplating is important. Yes, I just poured more. It can also lead to pontificating, <laughs> um, which is best done when you've got that long tip pipe of yours. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and it you're really turning that around. The church and, warden, the church warden. Yes, yeah, the the. Uh, the, uh, the 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 pontificus nature of said beer and pipe would be. I'd just like to point out that there is a freaking uh, uh, leaf blower going on in the window. I'm so trying not to. Uh, laugh. I know. It's just. I'm telling you, this happens to me. I don't know what it is. I'm like you a and the leaf, leaf blower, blower magnet. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I mean, this is a reasonably well soundproofed studio. I mean, it's not perfect, <laughs> but you got some guy out there going right under the window. You're going to hear it. So, well, yeah, you're you're like three floors up, and then three walls with mm-hmm. uh, with egg crate, yeah, style uh, soundproofing all yeah. the way around it. It's like, come on, and then just Seriously. outside the window, right, right. It's like they. I'm telling you, they do it on purpose. It's a conspiracy. Hey, at your funeral, I'm wearing one of those. Oh, uh, totally. You should totally leave leaf the blowers. funeral. You totally <laughs> should. Every conversation I see someone having, I'm just going to walk behind them. Yeah, I don't. I don't know exactly what the afterlife is, but I know I'll be like Ian. 
God damn it. <laughs> You'd be haunting me. Wherever I am, that's what I'll be saying. Uh, I, I will love, you, I love uh, me some sweet baby Jesus. Spirits or not, since we're talking about the Hallelujah. macabre. Spirits or not, uh, if you haunt me, that's fine. I have never once in my life been bitten by a ghost. So whether they exist or not, I am not actually afraid of them. Well, I don't think I would want to bite you. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just saying. A lot of people are afraid of ghosts. I, yeah. In general, like, what did the ghost do? Well, it was just there and it was spooky. And it went, ooh. So? It was just there, and it was spooky. So? I like that. I like that. Wants to be yeah. afraid of that. That's kind of fun. Um, yeah, the most uh, the most afraid I've ever been, uh, I was in my 20s, and I was uh, working for a radio station, San Antonio, Texas, and um, we had bought a new, the company had bought a new AM station, and for some reason, the transmitter had to be tended. They hadn't picked, they hadn't been able to put the remote control in yet so they could take readings and so the readings had to be taken like once every three hours so they gave me an e extra money to go out to this uh to this remote transmitter site and basically every three hours write the in information down well i thought no problem i took an alarm clock right i would sleep the alarm clock would go off i'd get up take the readings i'd sleep again the thing is i went out there at like three in the morning and the transmitter site was across the street from a convent. And when I went out there at three in the morning, it was super foggy. And it was the most, it was like a, a scene from a movie. There was this fog in this dimly lit convent. And I'm not and kidding. And then you hear you. the beginning of Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. That's what I'm thinking of in my, <laughs> in my brain, right? But what I did hear was an actual wolf howl. And it was pretty scary. Of course, I was, you know, I was in my 20s. So, uh, but yeah, I've, I've never actually met a ghost. I haven't either. Yeah. I so, I, I know a lot of people who say they've met ghosts and we're very huh? afraid. But yeah, again, none, not a one of them has ever been bit by a ghost. Either, so I'm like, what's to be afraid of? Like, Ooh, was, spooky. Okay, dude. Gotcha. <laughs> Haunt all you want. I'm going to drink this beer. Sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> More than sweet baby Jesus, and uh, maybe you won't have the. I like uh, to think of myself as a pragmatist. <laughs> I, I, I like to think of you that way as well. And if I and if I do become a ghost, I won't bite you. You, have a, you have a deal. We'll take a break. We'll be back to wrap up the show. It's smoking and toasting. Show number two hundred and what did I say? Seventy nine. What are we even talking holy, about anymore? Holy moly! We're halfway to three hundred <laughs> at least. Sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. Show number two hundred and uh, whatever we are. <laughs> Welcome back. It is nice to be here with you guys. Um, this will be known as the haunted episode. Yeah, that's right. The episode about death. <laughs> the smoking and toasting episode about death. It'll be our second lowest listened to episode ever after the uh, one that never got posted from our old producer. In in lighter news, I uh, left my house. This is a Walgreens, just a few blocks from my house, right? Mm -hmm. And and. Um, Let's just say my neighborhood association is a light on the laws. Okay, yeah. Uh, They're pretty judging, easy going. Judging by the uh, semi-permanent garage sales that happen a few houses down from mm -hmm. mine that literally happen three days a week, every single week since like <laughs> three years now. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, I go around the corner and I have to slow down because there's a chicken crossing the road. And I just roll down my window and start yelling, Why? 
Why? And and these Why poor people, these the poor road? people standing outside their house are looking at me like I was a lunatic. But I thought that I thought it was fun. That was a moment of great humor. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate I it. Not get it. I appreciate it. It's, <laughs> I would love to have actually first seen you leaning out the window of your truck yelling "Why?" and then Why? trying to figure out what, what's he doing, and then seeing the chicken crossing the road. And that would have been a great comedic moment. Why? That would have been that would have been very very good. Uh, I wanted to mention. I went back and just poured the rest of this Citrus Rescue IPA from New Belgium uh, into into my cup here because I enjoyed it so much. And um, and you can polish off the sweet baby Jesus if you'd like. But uh, but <laughs> but New Belgium. That's, that's when we know our producers into the show. When yeah, I pour right. the rest of the beer, goes, oh man. <laughs> New Belgium is from Fort Collins, Colorado, yeah. and there is a distillery in Fort Collins that is, uh, well, let's just say life has changed a little bit for them. Uh, we're talking about the NoCo Distillery in Fort Collins, Colorado. They are a small craft distillery. They make a bourbon called Bourbon Two, as in Roman numeral two. Okay. And the reason life has changed for them is because on a recent episode of Star Trek Picard... On the Paramount Plus network, um, without going into too much detail, the uh, the cast of this show winds up going back in time to 2024, and they're oh. trying to they're trying to right a wrong in the timeline. Basically, was why they're there, and in the process of this, they have to fix an anomaly. That's exactly what they have to do. They have to fix a true anomaly. In the process of this, one of them goes into a bar, and briefly for a moment. A bottle of the NoCo Bourbon 2 is visible in the show, which has resulted in what the uh, distillers have described as a miniature Star Trek convention, which now takes place in their parking lot every day. <laughs> as Trekkies are flocking to NoCo Distillery in Fort Collins, Colorado, like it's some kind of a pilgrimage to try the whiskey that was featured for a couple of seconds. You know, you can on only Star do Trek Area Picard. 51 so many times, That's right. right? That's right. Exactly right. You got to go do something else. So, anyway, cheers to you, Noko, and I hope you sell yeah, absolutely, lots man. of bourbon, you know? Absolutely. Uh, I hope you do. So, uh, so this has been a very interesting show. It's been uh, um, it went off the rails somewhere in that last segment, but that's okay because it's almost over. Oh, yeah. And uh, we don't mind that at all. So um, uh, I want to uh, just say it, it's fun doing a show sometimes with just you and me. <laughs> we haven't done one in a while, and it was uh, uh, it, it was a blast today. Now, uh, still working on our guest for next week's show. I'm pretty sure we're going to have somebody, but uh, I do know what's happening two weeks from today, and that is two weeks from today is, in fact, Cinco de Mayo. Uh, our favorite tequila expert in the world, Liliana Rodriguez, will be here. She prefers to be called the te tequila aficionado, but we ignore that and yeah, call her our tequila expert. definitely the tequila expert. Yeah, I mean, she knows more about tequila than just about anything. She sent me a very interesting uh, 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 story, uh, which I didn't think was really quite right for drinking news, but I'll pass that on to you next week about apparently some kid who took a bottle of tequila to his kindergarten class and got some of his classmates drunk. See, it's, so, it's so, so it, when it came to drinking news, I passed on that to go for the die, guy dying in the porta Bruce bottle, Stark so. says there was a duck standing next to the road and the chicken came up and said, don't cross the road. You'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, so anyway, man, thanks for... Uh, 
thanks for hanging through the show. This beer is really good. I'm going to go out and buy this on my way home. Citrus Rescue from uh, New Belgium uh, and Imperfect Foods. Fantastic. Uh, and you're a fan of the Sweet Baby Jesus, I take Sweet it. Sweet Baby Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I like it. We've had Everything today has been interesting, including... There's very interesting tequila. That's, I, I'm still divided on that one. Yeah. That's so bizarre. Yeah. But I'm with you. A drop of water uh, made it Drop of water, I think. I, I think I liked it better with a drop of water. Two mm-hmm. drops of water, not so much, but a drop was right. Liliana, if you're with us, I'm going to bring this in when oh, you're do. here. Because I just want your take on Should this. Should I bring that 808 as well? Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That's a- uh, by the way, speaking of the 808, and this is how we'll wrap up the show. Uh, or the 818? Is it 808 or 818? 808, right? 818. 818. 818. 818. So, 808 uh, is actually you know, the, the, the drum kit, sorry. So I'm going to, right, exactly. That's, the, <laughs> that's that low beat that goes yeah. in your speakers. Th- uh, th- that's, that's like the, the sound of uh, uh, Run DMC. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So um, I would like to issue, on behalf of all of us here at the show, uh, an apology to our listeners. And we don't do this very often, even though we screw up all the time. We very seldom apologize for it. But in this case, I would like to uh, issue an apology because it was not until after we'd had the 818 tequila on the show. And a number of us here on the show really liked it. That I was told later, after the show had wrapped, several days later, that the 818 tequila is actually... Kendall Jenner's tequila. <laughs> so I feel like we need to apologize because, and, and, and only because the Jenners are so freaking overexposed. I'm so done with it. Like, please, just, just enough. I, I would not have purchased that and brought it to the show if I thought that, if I realized that. But so having a celebrity name on it actually does somewhat the opposite. For, for me in this case, yeah, I mean, just because of the overexposure. I just don't, I just don't want to hear about it anymore. That has nothing to do with anything so, except too much. Oh, so so just just as a last addendum, addendum, mm-hmm. a, a PSS, mm-hmm. post script script. Um, is that a thing, by the way? Do you keep adding S's? To or the is it PS? the P's that you keep adding? P-P-S, no, no, P-P-S, I think PSS, it's the S's. Right? PSS, yeah. yeah. PSS, post script script. Um, so um, uh, the other day I went to a buddy's house and he had a, a bottle of the proper 12. Oh, this is the Conor McGregor. So you got to try it for real. I tried it for real. And? God, it's freaking terrible. So that's that's what we've continued <laughs> to so, hear. So like it's so not good. Like I it was one of those moments like you know when you try something you see something that's just so wrong. I tried it and like it took me a minute to parse it all out and then I couldn't stop saying what was wrong like all the different things I kept seeing wrong with it or mm-hmm. tasting wrong with it. It was a Montucky cold snack moment. Uh, it was I just couldn't like like oh and there's this taste and what's going on here? Why does it have that? Oh it was just it just went on and I couldn't stop myself. I was like I'm sorry to talk about your whiskey like that. <laughs> Can I have Jameson instead? He, he goes, yes. And he grabs his decanter and pours Jameson. I was like, it's so much better. Yeah. So exactly. Much. exactly. Jameson's is good stuff. Well, uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being a part of the program this week. Liliana, as we mentioned, is going to be uh, with us. And I still haven't decided. I don't know. I don't think we're going to be able to do this live. But coming up in May, we're going to be attending the Steak and Bottle Share with our good friend uh, Manny. Uh, oh, that's going to be so uh, yeah, fun. Uh, from, Manny from El Cabano. El Cabano, yeah. Yes. Uh, and, and so I haven't figured out yet if we're going to do a segment there. 
If we're going to try to record a show there, I don't know what it's going to be, but we're going to do something coming up. Uh, Listen, if, and if you're in Houston and you're Lopez. headed down to Galveston and you've got a few extra minutes on your hand, you'll come up to uh, an exit, and the road is called 518, mm-hmm. okay? It's in Dixon, I think. I, I, I can't remember. There's there's a bunch of little towns, Texas City, Dixon, all that. It's all like right there. But the, the road is called 518. Exit there if you're heading south. Exit there and take a left. And in about three minutes, you'll see El Cubano on the left-hand side. Pull in. Have a cigar. Freaking awesome place. And if you want to learn about cigars, engage Manning. Man, know, that guy is that awesome. That guy knows what he's talking about. So we look forward to having him on the show and enjoying some steak and bottle share with oh, him yeah. as well as some great cigars. So thank you again, my friends, for being here and being a part of this program called Smoking and Toasting for no, number 279. That means we are officially halfway, halfway to, to 300. 300. Have a great week, my friend, and uh, cheers, cheers, y'all. Girl. Ooh, that's a wrap. <laughs>